Okay, so today we will talk about this famous problem in computer science hiring <laughs> uh, called FizzBuzz. And I'd heard of this a little bit before, but I just recently read about it in detail. And the FizzBuzz question is basically well, it's a question that uh, someone at some point asked uh, applicants. Uh, to a job that he was hiring for, and he Our said, kind of job. "Yeah, yeah." And he said, "Like 199 out of 200 <laughs> applicants couldn't use it. Like that—that that was the actual number." And then there were a bunch of other blog posts that um, basically said the same thing: like that 99 out of 100 of their applicants couldn't solve the problem, and you know, a lot of them would be like, would be computer science graduates. Or, and a lot of them would be people who had been programming for years. Uh, anyways, the problem is just um, pretty simple to state. It's uh, you have to print out all of the numbers from one to one hundred, and for every multiple of three, every number that can be divided by three, you have to print fizz instead of the number and for every multiple of five you have to print buzz uh, instead of the number and then for numbers that are divisible by three and five you print fizz buzz and basically yeah i i haven't been programming very much I, I did a little bit back in like freshman year of high school and then not much after that but i've been getting back into it and uh it, it's something i want to do potentially as a career uh, eventually but but anyways i'm super new to it but i did the question in in python and it took me like two minutes basically uh, i mean it's just like it's it's very simple and, and that's kind of why it was <laughs> talked about in all these blogs and yeah so so we're gonna talk about this general phenomenon but yeah, this was big news just because it's such a simple thing to do for you know the people that were writing these blogs, and it, it, it's just kind of weird that a lot of people couldn't do it. Yeah, so just to give a bit of background, this uh, problem, the FizzBuzz problem, it is originally based on a child game, right, where all the children uh, stand in a circle, sit in a circle. And then you start with some person, and they say one. And the next person <laughs> never says the next game. number. Oh yeah, I looked it up. And the next person says two. And then the next person says fizz, right? Because fizz is divisible by three. And then the next person says four, and then et cetera, et cetera. Where when it's divisible by three, it's fizz. If it's divisible by four, it's buzz. And if it's divisible by three and... Or sorry, not four, five. And then if it's divisible by three and five, you say fizz buzz. So... Here's the real test, Yuda. How long can we go? So you have to do it immediately. You can't hesitate when you're answering. You just have to say the next thing right away. 
Are you ready? Uh, I don't think I got the question. So we're going to play the game. We're going to go back and forth. Okay, so we start at one? Yeah, so you start. Okay, one. Two. Fizz. Four. Buzz. Fizz. Seven. Eight. Fizz. Buzz. Eleven. Fizz. Twelve. No, no, okay, uh -huh, I lost. You lose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, it's not so easy after all, is it? <laughs> Wait, uh, sure, that's, that's a totally different game. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. And uh, also, I was cheating because I had the numbers up in front of me. <laughs> wow. I mean... <laughs> I yeah, we lose, like, I right mean, away. <laughs> we could have done that uh, a little bit. It wouldn't have been that hard, but it would have... Maybe it would have, it would have gone hard at a higher stage, yeah. But yeah, I mean, as soon as I said <laughs> 12, obviously, I noticed. Yeah, so it's, yeah, anyway, that's Wait, totally... But, but that's like, yeah, that's that's unrelated to, <laughs> to the problem. Yeah, yeah, that was more of a, just a joke. But, uh, but yeah, so the problem Wait. is that mm -hmm. writing an algorithm to do this game that we played, somehow... Algorithm is a really fancy word for, oh. for this. <laughs> Writing a program, but yeah, I mean, this. yeah, it's it's an algorithm, yeah, yeah, it's a very simple algorithm, but uh, a program that does this logic to play the game correctly. It seems to be something that <clears throat> is not very easy for a lot of people, even people with programming experience. Yeah, and I think the way the questions usually asked, and from what I read, is. People aren't really expected to actually be able to write the code, even. Um, but uh, so they're not testing you on syntax, really. So if you like forgot how some piece of syntax works, you can still pass the test. You just have to come up with basically the basic conceptual components that you would need. Uh -huh. And people couldn't do that, basically. Like they right. couldn't. They couldn't think of a. A solution not just like not be able to implement it mm -hmm. right okay so you have to like there's a common thing in programming job interviews where you have to like use the whiteboard to describe something and one of these questions might be the physics problem so like write a some way of solving the problem using whatever notation you want but just describe the problem and write down a formalization of it yeah but yeah, or I think yeah, with this one you could have just said the answer. But yeah, <laughs> well, you could just write like a flowchart, right? That would be a yeah. very easy way to do this. Yeah, or, but or that's pseudocode. kind of what I'm thinking of. Or pseudocode, right? Yeah, yeah, that's another yeah. classic way. But uh, so why is it this... wasn't? It wasn't like a problem of syntax, e even though like syntax-wise, like I mean, I did it really <laughs> quickly, so I feel like you know it, it should be pretty easy. And what did you write it in? Python. Okay. Oh yeah, we, I I want to talk about the solution just to lay out what we're talking about. But the way I did it, uh, I just basically uh, printed out <laughs> or oh, I guess I only wrote it so talking about it is a little different. But I I would list out all the numbers one through one hundred, basically get an integer and then increase the number uh, each step 
uh, my my function ran. Yeah, and and then I I just said if uh, the number is divisible by three and five, then print this buzz. If it's divisible by, and then else if basically, uh, if not that, then if it's divisible by three, print this, and then if not that. If it's divisible by five, print buzz, and then otherwise print the number. And I mean that's the whole that's the whole solution. Uh-huh. That's that's like I I mean that's the one I came up with first. And that's like the simplest one I can think of. Yours was in Haskell, so I, I didn't look at it closely, but <laughs> I, I think it was similar, right? Yeah it it's almost like those three parts that you said is almost the minimal amount that you could possibly have. Because somehow, yeah, you have to have uh, four different cases where it's fizz, buzz, fizz, buzz, and then neither. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then the other part a, is doing the loop <laughs> through all the numbers. But there is a simpler solution, right? So the one I, I thought of is you, you would just do, you would print a um, hundred different lines and then just oh. manually... <laughs> <laughs> um, on where you need numbers just print the number and then manually write you know fizz uh or buzz or fizz buzz otherwise yes yeah exactly <laughs> so recruiter if you did that in a recruiter they'd either think you're a genius or they'd be like okay now do it for a thousand <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah or yeah a million <laughs> But I think um, it would be. This might be an interesting question. Does it repeat at any point? So you could just like copy paste your code. Maybe there's a repeated sequence. I'd have to uh, think about that. There is actually a slightly simpler solution. Rather than having four different cases, you could have just three. But what you would have to account for is that. Um, so like fizz buzz is like it's divisible by three and five. So you would just have if it's divisible by three, add fizz to like the string you're adding. And if it's buzz, add buzz to the string you're adding. So it'll hit both of those cases if it's fizz and buzz. But I don't think it's even really that important to try and optimize <laughs> this program. The point yeah, at least con- conceptually, I think that's a little more complicated. Yeah, and there's also that. You could maybe generalize this game to like give every number a um an, a, a word, and then for every number you replace it with like the string of words that corresponds to the numbers that it's divisible by, and maybe that would make it simpler to do this <laughs> version where you're sort of combining cases where it's divisible by three, four, uh, five, and seven or something, but whatever. Um, the point of this test, uh, this program question, is it's a filter, right? That's how you described it to me. It, it's a convenient filter for people uh, so you can get the best programmers or at least filter out the worst programmers. Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, the person who used it, um, yeah, just wanted to come up with a basic question. To sort out who could program because he, I think he was finding that basically people could program uh, much less than he expected that they'd be able to. 
based on just them being software engineers or computer science graduates or whatever. And then he just basically this was like the simplest problem that he could think of and and people still couldn't do it yeah so it ended up being a pretty good test it's amazing how low the bar could be set that still filters out so many people yeah and the question that this raises is like it's almost it's almost uh not beyond belief but it seems so surprising that it makes you question like is this actually a good test of whether you're a reasonable programmer yeah that's like the immediate question that comes up right uh yeah i mean i mean my immediate question question was just like i didn't didn't believe the numbers and i'm still not totally (laughs) sure like that does seem like a bit of an exaggeration 199 out of 200 applicants but yeah i mean looking around on the internet like people corroborated those numbers and there was like I found a blog post about someone who got the question and then they couldn't solve that at all. And then they complained about being asked the question because uh, the blogger said, you know, this has nothing to do with the job I signed up for, which was like a programming job. But yeah, so I'm, it does seem like it's much more real. Like this phenomenon is much more real than I thought at first. Um, but there's certainly uh, yeah. something surprising to it, even if the numbers aren't exactly correct. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, my, just to say my first reaction would be to just not believe it. Uh-huh. But, yeah, afterwards, I, I guess you would... I don't know, I wouldn't really think of that question, like the question whether it's a good test of programming skills, because it, to me it seems like it, it. it's just like it's a very good basic test. Like, I couldn't imagine... Uh, that someone that a good programmer couldn't pass this test so it seems like a good test to me Uh huh. so intuitively to you and to me as well of course I hadn't actually heard of this before uh, so when you asked me about it I feel like it's something that I should have heard of though <laughs> but uh, but yeah we we didn't seem to have an issue writing a program for it and like you said you've only been programming for a shorter amount of time and haven't had a lot of experience, so it seemed like, okay, well, if I can do it, then this must be a relatively easy test that you would expect anyone at least moderately proficient at programming would be able to do fine. Yeah, I mean, I I just picked up Python recently, and I've barely spent any time with it. Oh, that's right, and it's in a language that you've only been able to program in for, like, maybe a little bit more than a week. Uh... I don't like a month or something, but not like I just started a month ago, but I've been using it a lot. Uh-huh. Okay. I did, okay. Yeah. Like I looked at some tutorials, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, but I, you know, we're comparing to like professional programmers, so it's a big difference. Right. So when we're talking about this blog that you're mentioning, uh, so what's the context here is that there's this, uh, person who's a software engineer by career and they were getting a job and uh the question they got in the job interview was to do this fizzbuzz question and they had a lot of trouble with it and i don't remember exactly but i think they just didn't finish the question and the reviewer said it was fine uh uh, I, i don't think there was like a lot of um shame about it from the interviewer but they didn't get the job 
and they thought it was like a very safe job for them to apply to. And they were complaining about this online in the context of this problem um, is not a good reflection of whether you're an adequate programmer or not. It has nothing to do with what I'm actually doing on the job. My job is for like web design and UI design. I'm not going to be printing out <laughs> random numbers according to this weird game. That's never going to come up. So why am I being judged by this question? And uh, I have all these reasons why it's uh, you know unimportant whether or not I can do this question. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a funny exchange. Like <laughs> this person, because they complained, like when they were given the question in in the interview, as they explained it, they you know tried to work it out. They tried to like think through it, and then they just got totally stuck. And they were like, "Oh, math, no." And then uh, they were like, in the interview, they were like, "What does this app have to do have to do with anything?" <laughs> well, that's just like a really funny thing to ask in an interview oh right yeah <laughs> and then i think they mentioned that they said this to their friends afterward and their friends were like that was probably a bad move <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah they mentioned that this question is too math related for being a good programming question and that was kind of a funny remark <laughs> well yeah like yeah it was funny how they used math yeah but um <clears throat> yeah, so what's surprising about this? Well, it must mean that obviously the people that can't pass this test still can write programs. They <laughs> they write programs that execute and do things. Uh but somehow they can't do this simple task. So what's what's the problem here? Is it just that like in this environment they're unable to do this problem? Or is it a deeper question of well, maybe the programming they're doing that they're doing is more like assembling puzzle pieces together as opposed to actually implementing from scratch. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, and it, it does seem like basically a lot of programming jobs don't require you to do anything like FizzBuzz ever, and I, I totally believe that. That's yeah, that seems right. It's um, it's commonly accepted that uh like front end design work is like the lowest rung of the ladder in terms of a software engineering job so i wonder uh like according to this informal hierarchy of programming jobs of like how much experience and skill you need to do it well um where you get to the point where most people are able to do fizzbuzz yeah Maybe I don't know. Maybe there isn't a point. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Because I, I think like that kind of job, like web design job, it's it's just like it has its own hierarchy. So you just work your way up by doing similar things. It seems like to me, and then like other types of software engineering, it seems like that's just like a different track. Um, I think that's true to some extent, but it is commonly thought of that you start as a front-end developer and then you can become a more uh, integrated back-end developer over time. Okay. Yeah, and, and it seems like... Also, do you think web design front-end jobs are the majority of programming jobs? Yeah. Yeah. From, from what I see, it looks like they... Even though, you know... Uh, yeah, they're, they're seen as... 
this particular thing uh it's like it seems like it's just most charms yeah i think that what maybe uh, tell me if this is getting at what you're saying it's like this sort of job is not really what programming is in the fullest sense of the word it's like a very very particular kind of uh almost trivial programming it's like assembling puzzle pieces like i said or assembling blocks together as opposed to um writing code to implement an algorithm yeah i i think yeah that's the majority of what's called programming (laughs) yeah so yeah so i think like whatever culture we're exposed to where that doesn't really qualify as programming it's like that culture seems like it's kind of a narrow thing and then but more broadly programming is basically like this front-end thing that's what being a software engineer is yeah uh yeah largely apparently <laughs> yeah and Did th- you these are like really for- well-paying jobs too it's 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 crazy just, oh yeah just in, in the context of the overall economy they do super well um <laughs> maybe not as good as uh like back end or uh more hardcore software jobs but still really well-paid jobs yeah yeah definitely i think there's a there's a concept also of like a full stack developer and i think that sort of uh, describes what i was saying where you start as a just doing this little piece in the front end that's not really important to the infrastructure of your program and then you move on to become closer to a full stack developer that works on all parts of the uh setup yeah but yeah i wonder yeah how full stack developers would do but it sounds like they were just included in in all these applicants Um, right right yeah but i think i don't know maybe this isn't true but i still think of like there's like a pipeline from like uh front-end engineering to um being a full-stack developer but then there's like a separate pipeline kind of like you know google takes tons of entry-level uh software engineers but none of them are doing front-end really right and <laughs> yeah the google y- homepage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and you wouldn't or i mean just all, all the like the massive facebook apple netflix google i mean none of those are i mean those aren't front-end jobs and then your progression is you wouldn't really progress to becoming a full stack developer i think you you would just become like uh you would progress into some other engineering or senior software engineering role oh yeah so that's definitely true that the roles are much more particular than the sort of hierarchy that i mentioned um that is a very very broad hierarchy that I don't even really know the integrity of how useful it is to talk about it, but it's more of just a social thing, I think. <laughs> but but I think like I would assume anyone who gets a job at any of those large companies could do Bizbuzz. I, I mean, <laughs> the algorithm, uh, yeah, they're tested on algorithms, and those are way more sophisticated than Bizbuzz. Yeah, I would believe that as well. I would expect that. Anyone who is able to do an algorithmic interview test would be able to do Fizzbuzz. Yeah. A common um, 
So I hadn't heard of FizzBuzz before you mentioned it to me, but another comment interview question that is referenced a lot as just sort of the prototypical difficult interview question is called inverting a binary tree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I had, I had heard of this in a, just in a narrow context. Yeah. I didn't know. It It was like a tweet about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this, uh, programmer, uh, that we really like who made a game that the witness that we both really like, um, Uh, Jonathan blow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I guess he was, he was he was talking to someone who couldn't get hired. He was talking to the creative homebrew who couldn't get hired <laughs> at uh, Google because he couldn't. His example was he couldn't invert a binary tree, even though he makes a product that like thousands of Google engineers uh, use every day. <laughs> right? Yeah. He couldn't. Yeah. He, he was mad about not being able to get hired, and then John Blow's response was like, "If you can't invert a binary tree, you're not a good software engineer." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure you'd have some criticisms of Homebrew as well, <laughs> considering he doesn't use Mac. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, Wait, but, yeah. I, so, I mean, I just started out programming, so I don't even... I don't know how that would even work. Can you explain that? Uh, what that would mean, conceptually? Inverting a binary tree? Yeah. And do you agree with... Uh, John Blow. Um, do I agree with him? Um, well, I think it just comes down to the ambiguity of good. I think that um, you definitely should be able to do it if you're in the top echelon of programmers, because inverting a binary tree is just another algorithm that's like hard enough that uh, or is of a difficulty that you should be able to figure out just fine. But uh, I'm sure that there are plenty of software engineering jobs that you are good enough, even if you can't, in photo binary tree. So I guess I, I do agree with him in like the abstract sense of just good being um, like the best possible. But uh, yeah, so that's my my stance on that. What do you think of that? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know about the question, so I can't say... In particular, but I thought it was interesting that John Blow said that because he like doesn't want people to work at Google. I, I like see, he like recommends like early career software engineers don't work at Google, and he's like never I think worked at one of those massive companies <laughs> because that's never been his interest. And uh, yeah, I don't think he would recommend that he wants people to like spend their time preparing for these interviews. Or anything like that. So it, it it seems like this was not like a some kind of elitist question or question about like oh you should just study that. It was more like he actually think <laughs> thinks there's something uh, important like yeah about being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the 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 way that I'm taking it, and I think this is going along with how you're taking it, is that um, inverting binary tree is just an example of uh like not particularly difficult but a complicated algorithm that is easy to describe uh so it's a good interview question and that way easy to describe still has a decent amount of complexity and it's something that 
I don't know if you would definitely come across it in undergraduate, but you've certainly done problems that are very similar and of the same difficulty. So okay. uh, in that way, I think that um, by being able to invert a binary tree, you're showing that you are at least as competent to, to solve problems of that difficulty. And you should be at least uh, competent enough to solve problems of this difficulty in order to be a good programmer. And I think that that's a pretty low bar for being a good programmer. I don't know if there's something tricky about that particular problem. Like maybe maybe he's saying something like binary trees are really fundamental to computer science or something like that. But in just the context of the way I'm taking it, which is in terms of difficulty level, I think it's a fine opinion. And I don't know exactly what happened with the homebrew guy. Like maybe he was applying for a really high level job and he was expecting to be able to get it since he wrote homebrew <laughs> <laughs> and it was out of his league or something. Cause writing homebrew doesn't make you a like exceptional programmer, even though it's just a useful tool. Yeah. May yeah. Maybe because he had that reputation or he had that impressive project, he got interviewed for a super high <laughs> role. Yeah, they might uh, I mean, have just had really high expectations for him. Unreasonably yeah. high. Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe it would be different if he interviewed for a easier role. Maybe. I think there have been examples of programmers that write open source software and then they go to a interview and they uh, the interviewer asks them like how do you do this with this uh with this program? And it's the program they wrote, but the interviewer <laughs> doesn't know it. And they say, oh, you just do this? It's super easy. <laughs> and then the interviewer says, no, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually unfortunately common that that happens. Because <laughs> there are a lot of just like random open source developers out there. And their software yeah. is not well understood by the people that use it. <laughs> Why I'm curious though, what is Jonathan Blow's reasoning behind not uh, seeing Google as a good place for engineers to get started? Oh, he says uh, places that are going to make you do basically trivial tasks, even if it's for a lot of money, is not a good place <laughs> to be early career. And, and he he says, you know, these are places like Facebook and Google. And then he said, like, if you're in a situation where you're like doing really boring things then you should either ask to be put onto something uh, much more challenging or just quit um even if yeah even if you're getting paid a lot and stuff like that he says it's just like too important uh to like it's more important to, to develop a lot early in your career uh because yeah it has increased returns for the rest of your career stuff like that um mm, right I, okay I also, also, yeah, just about his comment. I mean, I mean, he's like so extremely practical in everything that he does with programming because he's he's actually created you know these amazing programs, these games, and that's only possible when yeah everything you do is very oriented to producing those products. And not only so, are they good mm -hmm. games right it's it's that they are very performant and they do a lot of uh like intensive computation but in an efficient way yeah 
and and they're like amazing accomplishments relative to like how many people worked on them uh, <laughs> the yeah. witness especially because he built that game almost from scratch like he designed the entire uh game engine just for that game yeah it's crazy yeah it and the programming was basically all him yeah other than he said like a few weeks at the end where he got a friend to help but <laughs> but it's crazy because of like of the game itself like <laughs> uh it's really impressive but yeah so i know that he like there are a lot of dumb tests probably that people give but i think he he would he's not just um making up some arbitrary standard i feel like mm-hmm. yeah i think that well, the way I'm going to connect this all together back to FizzBuzz is that um, when when you're programming, there's a couple, like two different modes I'm roughly going to distinguish it into. There's a mode of using something that has been developed by other people, and you're just learning how to like plug the uh, wires into the right holes so that it all works together. And there's another mode where you're designing something for yourself and you have to think of like, okay, uh, these are the specifications that are fairly broad and I need to design a very complex internal system to meet these uh, specifications. And a lot of people just never are programming in that second mode. They never have to think about the structure of a binary tree because they can just go to the binary tree class and call dot invert. <laughs> and that inverts the binary tree for them in an efficient way that has been, you know, implemented in some other library that you never need to look at the source code for. Yeah. But when it comes to designing something uh, that needs a complicated internal structure that you need to uh, program yourself, like implementing a binary tree and then showing the actual uh, implementation of the algorithm to invert it, that becomes a very different kind of problem because all of a sudden you're not just uh, plugging interfaces in together. You're actually having to like basically <laughs> pull out a piece of paper or something and draw out what you're doing and then uh, refer to some basic <laughs> algorithm class level uh, thinking about efficiency and uh, keeping track of uh, objects and doing um, patterns and <clears throat> basically you come up with uh, intermediary pieces that you have to design yourself and then you plug those together. Yeah. But it seems like, but inverting a binary tree specifically, you wouldn't actually do that. But um, yeah, I, I guess something about the, the, intelligence or uh yeah type of thinking uh is useful well here's another example it's not the same as inverting a binary tree but it's good because it uses another person that we've been thinking about recently uh dijkstra's algorithm have you heard of dijkstra's algorithm no i i, I mean i've heard the name but i, I don't know what it is <laughs> yes you know of dijkstra but um so the idea is that you have a graph 
which is a bunch of nodes that and some nodes are connected together with edges. And each edge has a value, like a it's called a weight. And you could think of it almost like the roads on a city map, right? And then the question is if you pick a start point and an end point, you have to find the shortest path between the two points. And uh, the length of a path is the sum of the weights of all the edges that you travel across to get between. Okay. And then Dijkstra's algorithm is a particular algorithm for finding the shortest path in an efficient way. And this is an example of something where you have to like break it up into intermediary pieces because uh, you have to um, have a representation of the graph and then there's a sort of step that you do uh, where you visit a node and then decide what to do with it. And then there's uh, and then once you've abstracted away what you ha- happens in a step, you also have the logic deti- determining where to step next and uh, what to do cumulatively over and over, like uh, how, to, how to take the results of observing a node and then integrate that into the uh, current information about the shortest path. Okay. So that's, I think, a good example of this sort of thinking where it's a very broad problem, just uh, finding the shortest distance between two nodes, and there's lots of different ways to do it. And then to do it, you have to break it up into these like uh, different layers and then piece them together once you've implemented them yourself. Okay, but how difficult is that compared to inverting a binary tree <laughs> uh definitely more difficult okay yeah so yeah it, it seems like yeah i mean i guess i'll i'll be able to judge for myself once i get to the, these algorithms but to someone like john blow like the the uh Burning a binary tree is like FizzBuzz, basically. Right, right. Yeah, that but, seems to be the connection. Yeah. But FizzBuzz is used for like just basic uh, software jobs. And then inverting a binary tree is like for Google entry level. <laughs> uh-huh. Sorry about the noise. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. Is there anything else to say on this topic? Oh, right. We were gonna um, we were gonna do the test on uh, read students to see <laughs> how they do. I mean, I don't think we can, but. <laughs> Well, that's the hypothesis, right? I'll, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely try it on friends if I can. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, oh, why did you use Haskell for, for this? That, that seemed like way more complicated than using Python <laughs> from looking at the code. I was just showing off, probably. <laughs> 
But that's not say something bad about the language that it, it looked so much more complicated. Is it? It's not that much more complicated to me. It's probably okay. less lines okay. than your program, right? Uh it was like similar, but there was had more just stuff I didn't I didn't know what was what I was doing there. I did it in a slightly strange way because I used pattern matching instead of an if then else thing. Yeah. But it's okay. like neatly organized, right? You can see that uh there's the four branches where the, each of the things happen. Yeah, yeah, I got the structure, but some of the syntax I don't know what it was doing. Oh yeah. It if you haven't seen Haskell syntax before, it's definitely nothing like Python syntax. Yeah. It's kinda like Lisp, but also very different. Yeah, yeah, I I would have I could read a list solution for that. Oh yeah, I should uh try that next. <laughs> yeah, I, that wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> so in conclusion here, what what is the significance of this? I think that when we were talking about it before, we had this sort of idea that, um, well, both of us happened to find this question intuitively solvable. solvable. But what is it like for someone that doesn't, like, what, what is the difference there? Is it just that they happen to not find this particular problem solvable and they can think algorithmically in general fine? Or is there some fundamental way of thinking that is needed to find this problem intuitive? I have no idea what's what's going on. I thought, like, <laughs> Wait, I guess maybe like who 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 like who does these web design jobs? Like, I, I want to know that. <laughs> just just like just like background. I'm just wondering. Uh, uh I mean, it's then, not that hard to find out. You just look them up, right? Uh but just. Like overall statistics and oh, but okay. um, but you know it. It seems like they're mostly. I don't know. I have no idea. But I imagine a lot of them are computer science graduates. But right. Uh, and then, like the different blogs mentioned that. Uh, the inability applies applies to computer science graduates as well as, like maybe. For someone who just like picks up programming and all all they've ever done is, I guess if they go to like a boot camp and all they've ever done is like design websites, then <laughs> I guess if you just have never come across FizzBuzz, then maybe you can't. And maybe it's like, it seems like a learnable thing. You know, you, you could just do a couple problems that look kind of like FizzBuzz and you'd be able to do it. But it, it would be weird that you wouldn't, yeah, that you wouldn't come across that ever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But definitely... Yeah, I don't know. If it's like, if someone has just never been exposed to this kind of problem, uh, then it could... Then the problem maybe doesn't say something that meaningful about their potential or abilities like yeah 
Helen doesn't say anything about their potential abilities. About their yeah, about their potential or abilities if they've just never been exposed to Fizzbuzz or anything like that. Um, uh, is that, uh, I think it helps to have done something like it, but I mean, uh, <laughs> I so the components of this are loop, uh, do a loop, <laughs> and test to see if a number is divisible by another number. Those are like the two pieces. Yeah, yeah. And you've definitely ran into loops before because you can't program without them. <laughs> and I mean, maybe you just forget how to test divisibility by using like modulus or something. There's even languages that have like a divides function. But um, <laughs> I, I feel like you must have run into using integers and you must have run into using modulus. <laughs> yeah. I can't I think mean, of any part of this program that you wouldn't have run into it before. Yeah, I'm, and I think they definitely did, but it would just be like they had never ap- applied it in a in a problem solving context uh, mm. like this. Yeah, but Maybe. even yeah, but even that is like yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't understand why that would be. Yeah, it would be very interesting to talk to someone that had... Especially like the like the computer science graduates. I don't get that. <laughs> yeah, what the heck were they doing in their classes? <laughs> yeah. I guess you're never really tested on programming skills in a class. Like you do projects, but like projects you have, you know, weeks to do. And then you have, like, exams, but they're usually not, like, writing out a program. I remember in our, in my 121 class, we would have quizzes every, I think, I don't think it was every lecture, but almost every lecture we had a quiz for the first five minutes of class. And the quiz was to write down a program to solve the problem on the quiz. And that was the, that was the whole quiz. Oh, nice. So we got plenty of ex- uh, we got plenty of <laughs> exercise doing that. It was uh, it was like you know a short problem, something on the. I mean, it depended on the topic, but it started off around the same difficulty as Fizzbuzz. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think yeah that class I think was unique, and even Reed got rid of it. That's, I know, right? It's horrible. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. to make a prediction. No, if but yeah, somehow. that was the class. That was, <laughs> wait, maybe this is like we were trying to uh, say why this was like that thing doesn't make sense, but maybe it just explains it too. Like the fact that <laughs> <laughs> like the, they got rid of it. Yeah. So like, yeah, just to put it on the record. Like I was, I signed up for computer science, the introductory class, and then I dropped it like a, a couple days ago. Because, yeah, we're just, like, we're in week two, and we haven't done any programming, and we answer, like, we do, like, Kahoot quizzes <laughs> about syntax. It'll be, like, yeah, it'll be, like, um, I don't know, something like three is less than four. Does this evaluate as true or false? And then we, like, do the Kahoot quiz, and that's, like, yeah, we're, like, six hours into class or whatever. And then, yeah, like six hours into lab. 
Uh, yeah, three hours into lab. Yeah. This sounds but, really bad. <laughs> yeah. And then the professor said, you know, basically th- they got t- a lot of complaints that uh, people who never programmed couldn't do it. So, so that's what, so they just ch- totally changed the class. Oh, they got complaints last semester. You're saying At last semester, last year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Not this semester. Oh, no, no, no. This semester's been... It's just been the t- totally different class from the beginning. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Dang. That but sounds like it changed drastically is, from last semester, and even like last year and the last oh, two years has been very different from when I took it. Because I TA'd for the intro class, so I know what it yeah. turned into. But, yeah, I don't know if it was like this last semester, but... um, Yeah, it might be... Maybe it started this semester. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, but I yeah I just like totally disagree with um their diagnosis. Like I I don't think I don't think they made it easier for non-programmers. Uh, in in a way that's helpful for them, but you know, I think it's just. It's easy for conceptual reasons, not like uh, did you programming experience, but yeah, whatever. I'm curious what the complaints were, uh, like what parts were difficult and why, because the class had existed before that, and I'm sure they got people, you know, that just were not uh, like some people are very good at it naturally, and some people aren't. It's it really depends on a lot of things, including your background as a programmer, but not just that. And yeah. I don't think that there was any sort of uh, response to that <laughs> before. <laughs> like, they didn't change the class because of people that uh, had a problem with it. Uh, yes, it reached a critical mass. I don't know. Or, or like, read is changing. Or probably, I, I would guess there's, like, yeah, there's, like, I don't a lot of people in in my class uh so maybe it's becoming more popular too um because yeah the computer science classes used to be in the math department so they probably got more math people than they do now oh right but, that's right yeah. but so i think a I, class and... yeah i totally understand like programming being totally new and then you really want to help people get used to that but i I think that's and I think that's a good thing to do, but I think that's just not what this class is doing. It's just making it much easier on every level, like especially conceptually, um, which has just nothing to do with programming. It's easy to the extent that you're not really even learning anything. You're just confirming your intuition in a slightly different form. <laughs> that's what the pro- the the quote unquote yeah. programs are. Yeah, I mean the last class. Literally, the, the the topic of the whole lecture was we learned like the syntax for booleans, like yeah, and then we just evaluated trees. But so it would be like yeah, the syntax for three is less than four, and then we'd answer. And also, it's I think it's so silly. Like, why why are we doing a Kahoot quiz, and why are you, like? <laughs> Like, we don't program at any point. It's just, like, I don't think that's how you learn to program. Yeah. I mean, it just it isn't how you learn to program. 
no one has ever learned to program but <laughs> just it's doing a lot of this <laughs> yeah yeah i think uh i basically i mean i haven't seen exactly the class you sent me a lecture that i haven't watched yet yeah yeah i sent you that entertaining. i think it was that lecture yeah oh <laughs> but all yeah and then the way like he talks to the students like literally like the tone of his voice is like it reminds me of some teachers in high school high school like mm. but it, he talks to you like you're you're in kindergarten it's it's kind of crazy uh and all the examples are about cookie monster oh. and, then, and then he we watch the videos in class and then he's like since they're pre-recorded he like yeah writes these jokes in the shot right uh-huh yeah i can um yeah so the problem there is it's just easy to the extent that uh you're not learning anything and it's not really gonna be good for you learning programming in the long term either you're taking jonathan's advice (laughs) (laughs) if if it's too easy then you should uh leave (laughs) i and yeah i'm just leaving because i can't like stand it (laughs) i can't stand like being in lecture uh yeah it's just and we we have to go for participation uh he, he was pretty clear about that oh like, really uh, yeah oh. i just like yeah whatever yeah i think you probably made the right move and i really doubt that anyone is like this is not just that oh uh people that are already disposed to be good at programming are not being uh catered yeah to. It's oh. really just that this is not good for anyone, right? It's uh, yeah. If you can't do fizzbuzz, then something something went wrong. <laughs> I and yeah, I've I've my I have a friend who's in the class, and they've never they've programmed like R, but I mean that's very different, and they've never done any kind of programming uh, other than that, and and like they complain to the professor. <laughs> that's how I know uh, <laughs> what. The, what the justification for the class was uh-huh. but yeah yeah i can totally see the perspective of someone like because i currently also am a ta for a, a, a programming class and obviously it's at a different school but same same sort of situation and people it's very difficult sometimes and you you run into patches where you just don't know what to do and you're lost and unfortunately in programming since there's just like a lot of moving pieces that you just don't understand. Like when you learn to program in Python, uh, being able to program in Python is not synonymous with like completely understanding how Python works. So you're going to run into situations where you're going to get an error that you just have no idea what it means and you don't know how to fix it and you don't even know where the error is being caused. And it's very frustrating. And uh, I think that if you don't have experience with programming, you'll assume that you're just not getting it. That it's like, okay, I am not good at programming. I can't do this. And that turns a lot of people away. But the reality is that even good programmers run into the situation. <laughs> like, it's just such complex systems with so many layers of abstraction that you're removed from that um, yeah. there are always going to be pitfalls that you can't escape from. And you're going to need a lot of help to figure out what to do. You get better at it over time, but when you're better at it, you should be working on things that are even more difficult that are going to put you into that situation again. 
So I think yeah. that when people complain about it being hard for non-programmers, like not just this class, but this class being a particular example that is like the exemplar of it because it actually destroyed the class by taking <laughs> that into account, uh, is that um, people aren't prepared to react to these situations. They think that there's something wrong with it. Yeah. Yeah, when, yeah, I mean... It's just, yeah, a matter of, like, you have to try different things, but... And there are some techniques to figure out, like, what to try. Uh, like, recently, I was doing office errors, and a student came to me, and they're like, I, I'm getting this error, and I have no idea what's wrong. Uh, can you please help me? So I looked through their program, and I didn't see anything obviously wrong. So I said, okay, comment out the entire program, and then we're going to uncomment one piece at a time <laughs> until we get the error. <laughs> Yeah. So you do that nice. very slowly for like 10 minutes and then you finally get the right piece and you're like, okay, it's somewhere in this piece of code and then you just keep narrowing it down. And it's like, oh, you forgot to put a comma there. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I wish this, I, that definitely, I can see that that seems like true. But yeah, I I think uh, <laughs> we just should have started programming faster in the class so we can like get that process started basically. Like, Right. Well, yeah. I think that the objective of your teacher is just to never expose them to the situation where they it, it, can't. It seems like it. And I feel like this method of just like teaching people syntax, where it's just like learning syntax. And we had like one little lab, but we didn't like lecture has covered a lot more than we've actually used that than we've programmed. Like, I don't know when there's such a big separation it might it might even encourage people to think of programming as like this thing you either get or you don't get and you like once you learn the concepts you can do it flawlessly uh mm. might encourage that kind of thinking huh, like, that's interesting analysis. I, I think the the way to learn is like you you learn you know some piece of syntax if you're learning syntax and then you just you try it and then you get a feel for it that way yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on now. Yeah, it's almost like um, it's funny because in programming, it is so well defined that everything you can look up and it's like very easily referenceable. Um, that it entices you to try and approach it that way. Like, okay, if I just learn all the basic uh, building blocks, then I'll understand the programming, and then I can just program whatever I want. But uh, I think the way that you're describing it. And the way that I would also describe it is it's almost like learning a real language. <laughs> you have to like use it in context that you're not exactly sure about everything that's happening, but you know the patterns, you can actually try stuff, and then you can try changing things and see what happens. You don't just learn from the bottom up. You have to like get a hold of some code to play around with and then see what happens as you modify it. Yeah, I, th I think so. Yeah, just like the kind of understanding you get from reading what the syntax does and then actually using it, it's just like a different type of understanding. Yeah. Yeah, there's like this, there is a whole layer of understanding the syntax and like the nuances of the language, but that's just yeah. a very small part of what it means to program in and any then, language or just programming in general. And yeah, and honestly, it's like doubtful that you would even learn like the book learning if that's all you're doing <laughs> because yeah 
to retain it, it has to have like some kind of salience in your memory. And usually you get that through using it. But yeah, if you don't, yeah, I'll just like, also just the fact that you can Google all the syntax. I mean, that tells me that you should never be in a lecture where like there's like syntax being presented to you and that's the lecture. Right. Because, yeah. because you can, it's trivial to Google it at any time. Yeah. Yeah. That the way that you've described how your class is being taught, it just is the worst possible thing I can think of. Cause it's like, oh, I sent you the video of... like that. It's gonna, you're gonna be convinced. <laughs> Cause those are the, like learning how to write a certain type of expression and doing very particular syntactical things like that. Like that's what's written down in the back of the book as the reference guide. And you use that as a reference while you're doing the other things. <laughs> you don't yeah. need to actually have a class on just reading the back of the book. Yeah. I, I think it would have been useful if you like sent everyone like the syntax on like a piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like a cheat sheet or something. Yeah. For like, yeah, just limited to things that we'll need for this assignment or something. Like, but because we didn't even do hello world. Like even <laughs> I, I felt like that would have been like cool for people getting into it. Uh-huh. Just like literally print hello world. And then, but then yeah, the first piece of code we wrote was like a week and a half in. Hmm. And it wasn't hello yeah, world. It's like, um, no, it, no, we haven't done Hello World. Uh, we've done more more than that, but okay. Uh, yeah, but not that much more. Uh-huh. And we ju- we just started like. Um. um, I'm curious. So you took a logic class at Reed, right? Yeah. And in logic class, you have to learn a bit of this sort of syntax also. You learn how to write proofs, and you learn how to like interpret the symbols. Obviously, it's yeah. a little less complicated, but how would you compare the way they introduced the syntax? <laughs> it's not to less complicated class? to this computer science class. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It shouldn't I be. Mean, <laughs> I thought that, yeah, I thought logic was a really simple class until... <laughs> Until computer science. <laughs> Wait, sorry, what was the question? My question was that it's a fairly similar circumstance that you're introducing students to a new syntax, right? That yeah. they've probably never seen before. So how do you uh how do you compare the the way that it was introduced to you in that class versus in the programming class? Oh yeah, the logic class was much better i mean we we really started out by learning logic and that i yeah i did think like because i've taken intro math classes at read i guess i've taken three at this point where i'm taking three and uh the math classes intro math classes yeah oh yeah they don't spend any time on notation <laughs> Yeah. It's almost uh, funny how little mathematics spends time on notation. Like, I kind of wish they spent more time on notation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and those classes, I thought, 
they were very well-paced, like fast-paced and interesting and challenging and all that. And then I thought compared to that logic was like really bad. Uh, we It was just, we just learned much less and it went at a much slower pace and stuff like that. But it wasn't like, I, I don't think it was egregious, I guess. Because it was like a class that a lot of people took to pass like their math and logic requirement right. for people who didn't want to take maths. Um, so, yeah. But it was, yeah, that, I mean, that was way faster paced than this computer science class. Hmm. I wonder if, does the intro CS class count as a requirement for mathematics or something? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. I wonder if there's something to that. <laughs> I think there's you like said a it was a large class, right? Yeah, yeah. It, maybe, yeah, maybe the new structure has to do with that. But, and I think just um, computer science becoming its own department and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, yeah, just, yeah, I think just like general trends in the world in general, like people are wanting to take computer science classes more. Right, right. Yeah, there are probably people that were swayed to read to some extent because they have a CS class now. Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah, people coming in know that they're able to do this. The reason I was trying to compare the logic class and the CS class though was I I wanted to know if there was any difference between the way they just uh, introduced you to syntax, right? Like in the logic class, did they spend a couple days uh, showing you how the syntax works in the same way they do in the computer science class, or how do they approach it differently? I think, yeah, I think there was much less time spent on syntax. I, I think the syntax was used pretty quickly to uh, do things. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really, yeah. I just don't understand like this computer science class, <laughs> like what the professor is thinking. Like it's almost like it's like insulting, basically. But like, I don't know if I should be insulted or if or if he should be that he uh, that just... this is like challenging and that it's not like boring him out of his mind to like do this for hours. Yeah, yeah. honestly. I kind of am wondering about that. Like, <laughs> this must be the worst punishment for him. Oh, he, he but he seems like perfectly happy. Yeah, yeah. That's it's that's weird. what's strange about it. <laughs> How is he not pulling his hair out, being like, "Why don't you guys understand?" No, he he's like very into it. He, you know, because you'll see his tone of voice. It's like, <laughs> well, here is uh, I don't know that I, I shouldn't say I shouldn't do it like that, but it's like a baby voice. <laughs> Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, I, I do go what you're saying. Yeah. I, it's like I've very slow. He taught slow and wait, but he couldn't have taught like a upper level class. Like he saw he teaching this class. I don't, yeah, he he didn't teach it like this, but I know his like mannerisms. Oh, okay, then maybe it's not isolated to this class. Like he uses those uh, drawings of whatever they are, <laughs> the creatures. <laughs> He uses this a lot. <laughs> it's just a thing he does. Huh. 
and like like the couple of girls in the front row will always be very entertained by it. <laughs> so it's become a tradition. Huh. Yeah, I, I guess. Now it's yeah, now it's always Cookie Monster. But it, it's always the oh, examples are Cookie not Monster helpful. in particular. Oh, I thought you just were saying like it looked like the Cookie Monster. Oh no no, it's it's Cookie Monster, yeah. Oh. When he was when I taught when he was teaching my AI class, he used like this triangle faced creature. And then he <laughs> had another one that was like circle faced. And they were just like very simple shapes, basically. It was like a stick man, but with a triangle as a face. Yeah, it's always cooking monster, but it's just like oh. it's so <laughs> contrived and it, it's kind of insulting. Like the because like the examples don't actually have anything to do with the problem. It's just like like decoration you add to an otherwise boring explanation to like kind of get people to be interested in it. Uh, I guess yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's how like you know you're taught in like middle school. Basically, it's like when you're learning math, and instead of like one plus one plus two, you're like, here's one apple, here's another apple. How many apples do you have? Or or no, it would be more like, okay, Farmer Joe has one apple, and his neighbor Sa- Sally has one apple. And Cookie <laughs> and Monster they- takes one apple away. <laughs> Yeah, those are, that's literally, yeah, those are the examples. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. We are just being extremely harsh. <laughs> I really it's, hope that no one at Reed <laughs> It's very accurate. Yeah. Oh, man. I, mean, I, mean, I really have to watch them. <laughs> yeah. And the one I sent you is the most advanced lecture that we've had. Oh, yes. Like, it, yeah. Uh, it's like five or six lectures in. I don't think I actually have seen what a lot of schools' intro CS classes are, but just it really strikes me how different it is now from when I took it uh, four years ago, five years ago. Yeah, I feel like this class is probably similar to a lot of schools. You think? Like, yeah, I really, yeah, like, you know, it's like a high school class and college is just like what comes after high school. Right. <clears throat> for most people i mean yeah i mean in high school like i was i thought my classes were just as stupid and that's why like i just stopped going i basically you know didn't go to high school at one point <laughs> uh two years in but yeah and then i when i got to read out i like really appreciated um how, how even the intro classes were intellectually challenging for the most part and like yeah, for the, the professors yeah because the professors actually cared about them, and if the professor cares at all, like they're not going to do something that bores them. So then that usually means like students won't be bored if if they really put their mind to it. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Th- this is like this just puts puts me right back to high school. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, yeah. Usually the motivations work out that if the teacher is enjoying it and they have a motivation to like do something to make it interesting to them. And it turns out to be a great experience for the students as well. But yeah, somehow the, Mark yeah. is like getting enjoyment out of this. <laughs> because the professors aren't like they're smart people, and if they find something intellectually interesting, like it's going, it is interesting. Yeah, and this, like teaching is their only job, so they don't have anything to distract them. 
I mean, a lot of them do, do most of them do do research, but dishing is a lot, a large part of it. Oh, right. Yeah. So they do do research as well, but not in the same way that like a professor might have a TA teach their course instead of them. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. Yeah. They're giving, they have more time to teach. But yeah, but like, I think like Irina apparently did a ton of like really ton of research. Oh, um, yeah. She's just amazing like, in general. <laughs> and, you know, she's like the, the chair of Purdue's department now. Oh, Did yeah, you hear that's about right. That? Yeah. yeah, she moved over there. It was but funny. I mean, um, yeah. She was on the board of my thesis. And oh, nice. when when, uh, when she, like, gave me feedback afterward, I said, good luck at Purdue. And she said, how did you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. like uh, sort of shocked for a second like wait is that secret information <laughs> <laughs> she asked me that too you know oh really that's funny yeah, I think she put it on our website so I don't know what she was thinking oh yeah yeah I, I yeah I saw it elsewhere but she yeah but but that's really I mean yeah that's a like a really high rank graduate school in math that she's sure of so she must have done something yeah, it seems so. Yeah, she, she was going to be on my thesis board. Oh. <laughs> no, she can't be. That's a shame. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I was thinking earlier about this, and I think this is a good way to bring it up. Um, in the ways of teaching something like programming, so I think that programming does have a lot of peculiarities to it, that would have to be taken into account. But I think back to how I was taught Spanish, for example, when I took Spanish in high school. And uh, the way that you're often introduced to it is that they give you these sort of pre-constructed phrases, right? Like, uh, buenos dias, or uh, como se llama, or something like that, right? Where you don't know exactly what each word means and how they are being how they interact with each other or the subtleties of like when you would use one versus the other. Uh, but you do get the rough translation into English. Like I can describe what this means in English. Como se llama means uh, what's your name. But then you learn later on what the different components mean. Like uh, como means uh, how. And then yama means to call. In particular, you call in the ustedes form. And then say is the um is the object for usetis or uset so it's saying how do you call yourself in literal translation which is sort of an interesting way to understand it and it also introduces you to like how uh direct objects work in the language you have these little direct object pronouns that are put everywhere and they come in front of the verb and all this or they can come after verb como yamase for example. Um, but in programming, I think of it in a similar way where it's like you wouldn't learn uh, all the details of how to write like five less than four values to false, right? Like that stuff, you just rely on it being used in a larger context that it's like, okay, I roughly can see that when I say five less than four, that evaluates to something that I can use conditions with. So if I say if five less than four, then that means the thing that comes after that will only happen if five less than four uh, is the case. 
And then yeah. later on, you learn about this Boolean data type, and five less than four is like a function call to this less than operator that returns a bool, and then if can take anything that has a Boolean in it. Yeah. So that would be like the ideal way I could see you being introduced to um, the syntax of programming in a similar yeah. way of being introduced to language. <laughs> and then the problem with this, the other approach that's happening in your class is that they're like, okay, just completely uh, ignore this idea of actually using usable programs and phrases. Instead, we're just going to teach you the most meticulous, standard, lookupable stuff that you're going to have to just look up anyway later on when we actually are programming. Yeah, yeah. Another quiz is pretty like, instead of five less than four, it would just be like, you would add another set, like three greater than two, and then see how it evaluates overall. So it it's just pure parsing, you know, but you would parse like a slide instead of like code that you're writing. But mm -hmm. yeah, and even that, yeah, even though I th yeah I think you really learn to parse when you write it and then it's it's a lot easier to parse too but and we didn't even do like if uh if then statements like oh really oh, no. yeah. <laughs> it, it was just we did booleans which just so it's just like we we did the idea that these evaluate as true or false but uh -huh. but yeah I don't know I don't know if we I don't think uh people would know. Like how that yeah how that would work in the context of programming like you know what would return like what return would you get when you put in these things like three less than four like we didn't do anything like that yeah like where do you use these boolean's yeah like if you yeah I think if you type it into a console you would get like the return of the boolean but we didn't do that oh you didn't even do that yeah I mean that's that's definitely what I would have told people to do like try typing the stuff into a console like you know you don't even have to make a program but yeah oh no yeah that's like the first thing you should introduce you to is the interpreter because then like uh, uh, you mm. can just play around and do whatever you want that's perfect yeah and conceptually it's not any more sophisticated like it's not something that's <laughs> hard you you just type in what you're learning yeah. maybe he didn't want to let you do that to like cheat on your quizzes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you wouldn't want you to look up what whether three is less than four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 It's like it's like we were learning the like conceptual content we were learning. It's like, yeah, whether three is less than four, basically. Yeah. And it's not to say that these aren't things you should know. Like, you should be able to know how to write a test for whether x is less than y the problem is just that like <laughs> you don't learn it by just getting the syntax and that's it you, you learn it by using it somewhere and and by using it doesn't need to be in a big program it just needs to be like booleans are for these sorts of things yeah yeah it's, I, it's like especially yeah egregious in this yeah just this context of read but yeah i i I'm like I think I'm pretty spoiled having gone to the school. I, I think probably at a lot of schools like um, the intro classes are probably like this. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. I would like to see, given this, because I just had no idea of what they could be like. But I'm, I'm really interested to see what other schools' intro classes are like. Man, you would have really enjoyed the uh, the CS class that I took, though. Yeah, probably. I, I looked at yeah, like the syllabus a little bit and. 
because I looked it up and it's definitely yes. very different from our class. Oh. Yeah. Well, maybe you can uh, <laughs> self-study that <laughs> if you have time between thesis. Yeah. If I had known, yeah. I mean, I should have just, if reads like the rest of Reed's curriculum, I should have just skipped this class basically. Um, yeah. Yeah, you could have but, just taken 221. Yeah. Yeah. The C++ class I took also, like, that had a prerequisite. That was, like, a Java class that I skipped. But mm-hmm. I would imagine, like, that Java class was basically this class. <laughs> at least at the oh. beginning. Yeah, I wonder. I bet it probably was. I do think this class is, is going to get a lot better eventually. But, mm-hmm. yeah, he said, like, the first four weeks is going to be pretty much this. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you, I'm sure you would get something out of the class, but it's just such an inefficient waste of time. Yeah, and just for my mental health, I, I can't <laughs> sit in those lectures. Oh, right, because you're forced to participate. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's the, that is really the main reason. Like, I just, you know, I can't tolerate that. And, and I find it hard enough to pay attention to lectures, even when I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> And I should. Yeah. Huh. Well, what are you going to do instead then? I actually, it's weird. I think I pay attention to these lectures because I'm just like getting mad at it. <laughs> I'm like, oh my, wow. Yeah. You just can't stop thinking about how horrible it is. Yeah. <laughs> Because, yeah, I think so. Because I could I could explain what goes on in these pretty well, I think. Well, you can uh, hold on to these stories forever. Tell everyone <laughs> to beware. Yeah, I, yeah. This would be the class to skip, I mean. Yeah, I wonder if uh, with the new setup, they'll let people, since it's like, oh, we made the class easier for non-programmers. Well, they'll just let people that already have programming experience go into the next class. Yeah, and and I have that class on my read transcript from Korean College, so like, oh right, yeah, that that like would have, um, yeah, let me skip. Yeah, I also took a, a APCS class in college, and I had programming. Oh yeah, yeah. That... So I I was offered the opportunity to skip the one twenty one class, but my advisor highly recommended that I take it, and I don't regret it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I, I, yeah, th- I mean, the only reason I didn't skip was because of what you told me about the class. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you couldn't have known. <laughs> but I think, so 221 is, that's the next one. So that, w- that one is like circuits and stuff like that, right? Um, well, it's a lot of things, actually. It's kind of like an overview of a ton of different subjects. So I think you start with circuits and assembly, and then you do um, some various programming languages. So I think you actually use ML, which is a functional language. It's kind of like Lisp. Uh, and then you do some... Uh, I don't know, actually, what you do after that. I think you do some C, maybe? Oh, did did you not take that class? I did take it. 
I just am not uh, remembering it very well. <laughs> yeah, I, that sounds yeah very interesting. Yeah, I should have. I mean, I, w- I would, but yeah, drop the ad deadline was yesterday. Oh and I, damn! I drop. I dropped the class like Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It was pretty terrible timing. Well, maybe you could just like uh, access one of their lectures so you can see what it's like. Yeah. Just to see what but... you're missing out on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's plenty of materials online that you can do instead. Were you thinking of anything you wanted to do? Or were you just going to kind of focus on thesis? Oh, I, I, I mean, I, I had always just planned to work on programming a lot this semester. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep doing that. Oh, I've, okay, I've just been cool. doing like, yeah, I've been doing like hacker rank uh, problems basically for now. Oh, but right. Yeah, yeah. Hacker I'll, rank. Is that similar to like Project Euler? Yeah, uh, it's similar. It's a lot. There's way more questions and oh. there's there's like way easier ones. <laughs> oh, the ones okay. I'm doing now. Yeah. But there's like harder ones too. Like there's just way more. Yeah. Oh, interesting. It's like kind of like leak code. Right. Yeah. But but more yeah, uh-huh. questions. Huh. I don't think I've actually heard of that. That's interesting. It's a good resource, sounds like. Yeah, yeah, I really like it. Yeah. So I Yeah, I just like don't really it's I guess it's the opposite of this class. Like I just don't really <laughs> look at lectures or read or anything, at least so far. I just solve the problems and i like learning that way so far huh yeah yeah that's definitely a good way to get started i would say you just kind of get comfortable with working with the tools that you have eventually you will have to learn new tools but um, well I, I i am learning some new tools but i just look up what i think i need for the to solve the question uh-huh oh yeah. like what's an example uh i mean basically every i learned everything i've learned so far that way so just everything from like loops and uh all, all the syntax all the basic syntax like strings and and then now like sets and arrays and i mean basically all the basic aspects of the programming language huh. oh okay yeah yeah i guess that uh let's see there are some features that you probably won't run into that way I don't know if they'll actually be useful or necessary for those program those problems, but yeah, like for example, classes and uh, generators, and um, have you used recursion? Yeah. Oh, okay. But uh, I guess yeah, not not for this actually, but I, I have used it. Oh, interesting. You just like well, tried for, it and like Lisp. It's part oh. of it's part of that book. Oh, uh, oh, that's yeah. right. You went through that. SICP, yeah. Yeah, Python has recursion as well. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. <laughs> oh, we got kind of off topic. <laughs> no, I think this was fine. It's related, right? It's like, um, what is it that you're supposed to learn in getting <laughs> a foundation for programming? Yeah. 
Yeah, eventually yeah, I'll I'll do something more structured, probably. Hmm. Okay. Have you thought of like what sort of thing you want to go through? Like what language or what sort of direction? Uh I, I want to look at C eventually. Oh, okay. Uh but yeah. Having yeah, th- that'll I'll have a little bit of a background from C. Right. And then Yeah, I I think I'll just move on to harder problems basically. And then do like more advanced algorithms than than the ones I'm seeing now. Uh yeah. I I, I was thinking yeah, I was thinking I might make an app. That that, that would be something different. But oh. that would be fun, I think. And Swift seems really nice. People really seem to like that language. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah getting set up with Xcode is a little complicated up front, but beyond that, using Swift is very nice. Mm-hmm. So that would be interesting. I guess I can't think of exactly what learning Swift as like an early programming language would be like. But it's probably fine, yeah. There's a lot of great documentation for it as well. Yeah, yeah. The language they're using in the class that I'm taking for is Ruby, which is, it, I'm guessing it's a prototype for Python almost. Mm-hmm. But not quite. Yeah. And that's the intro class? No, it's like a 300 level class. Oh, wait, is this, did you say you're teaching or taking? I'm a TA. Oh, okay. I'm not, yeah, it's kind of a weird, uh, now we're really getting off topic, but (laughs) it's kind of a weird setup because, so last semester when I was a TA, I actually did lectures. So uh, twice a week, I would spend like 50 minutes giving a lecture on a topic and then they would have another lecture each week that was from the teacher, but it was like a giant lecture and people didn't really get a chance to interact. So mine was like the quote unquote conference style lecture. And yeah. uh, it was fairly in depth and I had to like prepare it and all that. <clears throat> but this semester, I don't have to give any lectures. They're not, no one's giving lectures. I just do officers. And it's so many officers. I have to do 12 <laughs> officers a week. Well, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's so many. And last semester, I just did uh, two lectures a week and four officers. So it was like so much less. And people can just drop in whenever? Uh, yes. For officers? Or... Right. At least and, they and have people... like a queue. So, and they actually use it? Yes, yeah. There's like wow. a, a uh, web program where you enter the queue and then we can pull you from the queue. Yeah, and like uh, integrates with Zoom. That's way better than how Reed does it. Oh yeah. You basically have to schedule one for most uh, professors. Hmm. Yeah. Or or you just have to like I guess call in at that time and then wait. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I did last semester is that I just had my meeting open for that hour, like couple hours. Yeah. And it was kind of annoying because, you know, if I like go to the bathroom or something, then people think I'm gone because <laughs> <laughs> there's no way to like tell them. 
the Q system works pretty well, I think, because um, it keeps things orderly and you're not all in the same room. You're like one-on-one with each student. But there's this funny issue that happens where, so there's like four TAs at a time doing office hours. And so you start your session and you're waiting and then someone comes into the queue. Who takes this person? There's no way to decide because you can't communicate with the other TAs. You're all in your separate areas. (laughs) So (laughs) you just kind of have to wait for someone to take it (laughs) or take it yourself. But the thing is, you never know when someone else takes, uh, like how many people they have or uh, whether they're currently with a student. So (laughs) you just kind of have to (laughs) guess how often to take one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you could easily just never take one and no one would know. <laughs> Who designed this? Is it like a piece of software? It seems like an experimental piece of software. Yeah, it's called mm-hmm. Q-U-U-L-Y dot com. Oh, oh, so it's like the real thing. Yes. Or I guess as real as that name sounds. <laughs> I don't know who developed it. Oh, Reed should probably use it then. Oh yeah, I would recommend it. It works. It works well enough, and it lets you, um, like, when you're entering off stars, you can write a little description of what you have a problem with, and then after you're done with the session, you can, um, <clears throat> like, write a little answer, like an FAQ. Like, if you have this problem, then you can do this, and then everyone that's in queue can see the FAQ questions. Anyway, do you want to end it here? Yeah. Basically, I already ended it. <laughs>